This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. We're about a day late for the post-game recap, but we both needed the time to to decompress and, and try to calm down. And then... What should have happened still hasn't happened, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. Adam, has Vance Joseph been fired yet? Nope, not even a little bit. It is incredible. Why? Uh, because the man is bulletproof, apparently. I, he I, he can do no wrong in the eyes of the people that it matters most. And so Vance Joseph remains the head coach of the Denver Broncos for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I think if they're not firing him now, he's the head coach for the rest of the season. Is it because they're waiting for the bye? No. No. Oh, that's because they're on their bye. They're on their bye. Yeah, they're not firing him now. They're never firing him. He's he's the guy the rest of the year. It's interesting. You know, um, I'm just going to get into it. This is my one big takeaway from the game, too. Uh, and, and it has to be that Vance Joseph is – the one person in the entire NFL that is not fireable. He's fireproof, if you will. Because if you watch that game, he is absolutely the reason that the Denver Broncos lost that game. Made uh, a few decisions in crunch time at the end of the half and at the end of the game that really cost this team an opportunity to win. And to me, if those aren't fireable offenses, then whatever, however long the list is of things that he has to do to get fired... We haven't completed the list. I imagine Elway's got out his clipboard with the checklist on it, and he's just going, just ticking the boxes. Oh, yeah, did that, did that, did that. Eventually, the page will be filled with check marks, and Vance Joseph will be fired. But if you can't get him fired after that performance, he's slippery, man. They're never going to fire him. And remember, he does football one-on-one. So – the thing that makes sense is that in those football one-on-ones, it's to talk about the complete opposite of what they should be doing, which is why you kick a 62-yard field goal 
and then gift your opponent three points before the half. And the opposing coach is seen muttering to himself, way to go, Vance Joseph, you effing moron. Yeah, I think he called him a dumb F. I think that's what it was. It's a, Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, he said, he said way to go, Vance, you dumb F. Which, uh, that's not, that's just mean. That's just mean-spirited. But Bill says he didn't say it. He said just it. Just like he said that Case Keenum. Right. <laughs> he said it. The man, sa- he says everything that he- people say he says that he says he didn't say. I got a little Dr. Susie in there. Sorry about that. He did. Yeah. That he was... plopped it out there and expected it to perform. And I, you know, I, I think I could make a good Dr. Seuss. I put on the hat and pretend to be the cat in the hat. I don't even like cats. What do you think of that? All right. It, it's just, it, it, you're right. It's like, it, what else does this guy have to do to get fired? Because at this point, they sit three and six. Last year was like the first time in 45 years or whatever it was. It had their, They had one of their, uh, the longest losing streak for the Broncos in over 40 years. Now, after this loss to the Texans, they have their bye. And then the next three games are at the Los Angeles Chargers, Oof. home against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Oof. at the Cincinnati Bengals. Oof. They will lose all three of those games. Yes. They will then be three and nine. Yes. And for the first time in over 45 years, the Denver Broncos will have had back-to-back losing seasons. They'll be three and nine. Maybe that's the checklist. Maybe three and nine is on the checklist. And when they hit three and nine, that'll be like the final check mark. I don't I don't know. You know, it's interesting because we had Lori on uh for the pregame show. It just it was an opportunity with Demarius Thomas being traded and whatnot to have her come on and give her insight. And she and I kind of got into a discussion about why you would or wouldn't fire Vance Joseph right now. And uh I think I think she kind of wins the argument there because they are not firing him. And maybe he is already fired. They're just going to play out the season. But that to me is that's even worse, in my opinion. That's telling these players, we've given up on you, we've given up on your season, and we are absolutely done with what you're doing. And, you know, it's it makes me angry because what Vance Joseph did at the end of the first half, to me, that was rolling the dice. Uh, he he took a gamble and and he lost right the the gamble was uh, to kick that 62 yarder tie the game up going to it would have been great instead it backfires they end up giving up a field goal and they go in uh, they go in down six instead of instead of even down three which it was what it should have been but then at the end of the game as they are driving and they're trying to get close enough to kick a field goal to possibly win the game you on second and five run a running play out of the shotgun formation with 12 or 13 seconds. I think it was 13 seconds on the clock when they snapped it, hand the ball to Philip Lindsay, who is then tackled for a one yard loss because the offensive line was being shredded by a pretty good defense. And Matt Paradis was already out. So you took what was a 40 yard field goal, or I'm sorry, a 50-yard field goal made it a 51-yard field goal. Now, I'm not saying that that one yard makes a difference, but what if you complete a five-yard pass, go up and clock it? You still had the timeout. Now you're five yards closer. They didn't even try to get closer 
for Brandon McManus. They didn't even try to give him a better shot. And I'm not saying he should have he shouldn't have missed or should have missed. He he shouldn't have missed the field goal, but they should have been kicking it from from closer instead of running a, a flip and draw out of the shotgun. It, it didn't make any sense to me. That was just as bad, if not worse, because now you're making a game-winning field goal even more difficult than it really has to be. Well, the whole idea of a coach is to put your team in the best situation to have success. How in either of those situations, at the end of the first half or the end of the game, how was that putting the team in the best situ- situation to have success? I get it. Brandon or Brandon McManus should make a 51-yard field goal. He should. He should make a 51-yard field goal. But why wouldn't you make his job easier if you could? Because you just laid out how they could have done that. The goal is to get your kicker as close as possible to make his job easier. That's what a coach and a coordinator are supposed to do. And that's what you should be learning in football 101. And his and his and time wife, out, and his timeout backfired on on Kaimi Fair Fairbairn, the guy, the kicker for Houston. He he tried to ice him, and he missed the field at the end of the half. Iced him, and then he made the field. He gave him two shots at it. Like you, I mean, Bill O'Brien just loves Vance Joseph. <laughs> I I sent out a tweet at the end of the game. I sent two of them, but I sent one out that said every week. Broncos country says there is no way Vance Joseph can get worse at situational football. And every week Vance Joseph says, hold my beer. And he does. He, he is one of the worst head coaches. If I, I think he has to be the worst head coach in the NFL at situational football. He is absolutely awful. He makes Andy Reid look like Bill Walsh. Ooh. Is, is Andy Reid from the Bill Walsh coaching tree? I think he is, actually. I think he's from the Mike Holmgren, who, who was is, from the Bill Walsh. Right. It's a, it's, there's lots of trees. There's, you know, and sometimes the trees intersect, and it's all, you know, it's go to your uh, – they should do like an Ancestry.com for NFL coaches. That would be pretty cool to kind of see the different trees and where uh, – anyway, I digress. I just wanted to talk about something more fun than our football team just sucking. You know, you – you would think that Vance Joseph would get better at his job. You know, I I remember being a first year teacher and being like just awful at it. Not that I was bad. I was I just wasn't good at certain things, like situational things, the little things that you do in a classroom to make sure that it runs smoothly, the way that you speak to students, the the way that you make your seating charts, all the little things that you do, right? That makes things work. Now that I've been teaching for a while, and obviously I get all that stuff and I've got it figured out. Vance Joseph has learned nothing. Nothing. He's gone backwards as a head coach. And this game against the Houston Texans is the perfect example of that. It is the perfect example of a coach who is continuing to regress. I, I cannot understand. And the players played well. Case Keenum even played pretty well. We've been down on Case Keenum and how bad he's been all season. He had a pretty good game. He had a pretty. He was good a game. winner for me. No, because he didn't no turn the football over. Yeah, exactly, no interceptions. Good for him. Didn't put the ball on the ground. Good for him. And man, he could have, because Jadavian Clowney was sitting on top of his face a few times. But 
Even even when his quarterback finally plays a, a good game and doesn't turn the ball over, he can't put his team in a position to win. If if that doesn't scream fire me, I don't know what does. It, it just it's mind numbing because we all remember the John Elway who fired John Fox because winning the division wasn't enough. And now you have a team that's three and six and on the verge of doing something that hasn't been done since the old man and my mom were kids, technically. They're in their early 20s. But I think my dad was 18. Still, that's how long it's been since the Broncos have had back to back losing seasons. It's been many the years. The seasons of 1971. And 72, that's the last time it happened. And you have John Elway, who today, on the radio, said this. At this point in time, we're going to stay the course. I think there's enough good things that are going on as far as us and the way that we're playing. I'm much more encouraged this year than I was last year. Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. That's a good For those question. who don't know, that's the military version of saying WTF. It's it's a good question. What? what? I, I mean, I, I think maybe part of it is he's putting on a good face, which sure, fine, whatever. And, PR speak. Yeah, it's, it's PR speak for sure. But... It, if, if you can honestly look at what happened in that game and think to yourself, yeah, I, I like where we're at so far this season, then you've given up on the season. There's just no way around it. They, they, they couldn't run the football as well as they did uh, in previous games. They struggled with that, but they passed the ball better. It was nice to see the tight end get involved. I mean, I mean, there were some good things, right? Maybe we should talk about some of the good things that happened. And we started with Case Keenum. No turnovers from Case Keenum. That was great. Um, Jeff Hireman. He was I, another one of my winners. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he was the leading receiver with uh, 10 catches for 80, is it 83 yards? Am I right on 83 that? 83 yards and a touchdown. Man. We all thought that Cortland Sutton was going to be the focus of the offense and would be the benefit of Demarius Thomas being traded. Who would have thought that that's what would get the tight ends involved? Right. I mean, it's just good to see. Uh, Philip Lindsay was still active in the passing game. Uh, Cortland Sutton didn't have a bad game. Three catches, 57 yards. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had six catches on nine targets. Good things my happened. Other, my other two winners were Todd Davis. The Broncos middle linebacker played a hell of a game. Yes, he did. He he was seemingly involved in just about every play on defense, and that's the tell a middle linebacker is dominating. And if he's able to do that consistently, it will make the defense that much better. Davis led the defense with 10 tackles, nine solo, one tackle for loss, and a pass defended. And the other winner I had was Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I mean, and what's interesting is on. that it was his first sack of Deshaun Watson. When the two played in college, 
Chubb was never able to sack Deshaun Watson while Chubb was at NC State and Watson was at Clemson. But in the process of getting that sack, he boosts his total to eight for the season. That's the most for a Broncos rookie through nine games since Von Miller in 2011. It also ties Chubb for fourth most in NFL history through nine games. He also had six tackles, five solo, three tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit. I mean, here's the other thing. I think you want to talk about how good the defense played. The the Texans' offense is pretty explosive, and they've got some weapons. And Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a, a fantasy football dream, right? And they put up a ton of points. And I had said before the game that this was going to be about turnovers. And really, both teams held onto the ball pretty well. Uh, Devontae Booker's fumble turned into uh, a touchdown for the, the Texans. But in the second half, the defense only gave up three points. The defense only gave up three points in the second half. And, and if, lost. And they, and they lost the game, 19-17. to 17. And... I I feel I feel bad for the defense. It feels you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like. 2017 feels like 2017. Feels like 2017. And I, I'm not even blaming the offense. I'm I'm not. I'm not. Any of this. Case on Keenum the didn't turn the ball over. We've been saying all season, play a clean game, yeah. and he finally did. And it still wasn't enough <laughs> still because the coach work. is incompetent. And and that again, that is what we have to keep coming back to. There is, there is nothing else to say. We have to keep coming back to the same – it's the same conclusion every time. 2 plus 2 is always 4, no matter what. And in Except this case, for the Broncos with Vance Joseph. 2 case, plus 2 is pizza. That's if Vance Joseph is answering the question. But the truth is, when you look at this Broncos team, it is 2 plus 2 is always 4 because it is Vance Joseph that is always the problem. It is Vance Joseph that is always the problem. And this game is the perfect example of that. It is the perfect example of a team that goes out and puts themselves in a position to win or at least be competitive, and then the coach makes decisions that costs them the game. And that's why in my winners and losers, I had one loser, and it was the guy responsible for the outcome yet again, Vance Joseph, he was the lone loser from that game. Which is totally legitimate. I mean, you you said in your article there were other people you could have added. Matt Paradis, likely out for the season, right? That's That's been pretty much determined, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, he broke his leg and has ligament damage. And the reason, he's, the reason he is on the loser's list is because of the injury. It's not because of no. anything else. In fact, he played quite well right up until he was injured. Uh, and, and you you could have put Brandon McManus on the list, obviously. Deservedly so. He's got to make those field goals. Um, you could have put Max Garcia on the list because Jadavian Clowney made him look absolutely clownish it was in the second half. Yep. It was embarrassing to watch some of those attempts at blocking him. I mean, when they would show that in slow-mo and Clowney looked like he was going regular speed still and Max Garcia looked like he was um, standing still, that was that has he is not going to enjoy film room this week or next week or whenever they get together to talk about it. 
Will they talk about it though? Because no, t- or will it be like their football one on one? You know, it's interesting because I remember you remember being in college and when you would take a, a hundred level course, that was the basic level. And maybe, maybe what is happening is the things that they're missing are actually a two hundred. They're in that two hundred level course, right? They need to to advance to football two hundred one to see if maybe some of the things that they keep screwing up are actually in that 201 textbook. Maybe that's the problem. Just just a suggestion. I think the problem is is they need to go to football negative 101 because what they're teaching in 101 isn't working. So do negative 101 and maybe that will I, I don't know. I don't know. They need to they need a different class. I think that's really the only thing. Maybe I think they need, they need a different teacher. Maybe it's 105. Maybe they need to go to the lab. They haven't been going to the lab. This is for all our college fans out there. <laughs> you, you know, you have the 101 and then you have 105. 105 is the lab. Maybe they need to get to the lab and do the lab work. That'll help them, you know, practice a little more. There is a difference, though, with this defeat and with the result. And as I was writing my story last night, my wife was watching the the postgame news conferences. And she she was able to pick up on something that there was a difference after this defeat and it had, it, it, it has completely crushed this team and you could see it on the faces of each and every player. And you could even, you could even get to it in the, the, the typical coach speak that you get from Vance Joseph. There was more emotion in there than he typically lets out. I, I, and then you get to what happened on Tuesday. And that was a very, 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 very indictish. Is that a word? Mm, sure. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm getting a ruling from the judges. They weren't listening. They said it's fine. Interview that Demarius Thomas did with Mark Stout and Ray Crockett on Orange and Blue 760. You mean on Monday? Oh, on Monday. I feel like it's Tuesday. Right? Well, it's because we're, yeah. we're. we're, I'm sorry. I was watching the game from a VIP in a casino, so I really messed us up with our recording. So now Ian's got his days all mixed up. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. Good thing we're not NFL head coaches. (laughs) Yeah, our time management would. No, we could actually as. For time management, we could get hired. It'd be fine. So this is a basic rundown of what Demarius Thomas said to Mark Stout and Ray Crockett on Monday on Crockett and Stout on Orange and Blue 760. Even leading up to the Kansas City game, it was tough. Because that Monday, I didn't say anything to anybody. I walk into the job and head coach Vance Joseph walked up to me and he said, Don't listen to the trade talk. It's not true. Before the season started, the trade talk was still going and nobody said anything to me. So why come to me Monday when it's the same talk? When he said that to me, I said, how is it not true? My agent called me today and said Elway wanted a fifth round pick for me. So are we telling stories to each other now? I thought we were going to to be men about this. Leading up to the Kansas City game, that's when this all started. The emotions, everything. Because I knew it was something. I knew something was going to happen. 
but I still had to grind it out and play that game and get through it because I didn't know. I played that game like I was going to be here. But listening to that from him and then another couple of coaches coming up to me saying, it's all fake, it's all fake, and then it really happens. It's like, man, it is what it is, though. <laughs> it is what it is, though. That's, that's, that's a sad way to end that statement. And there's there's even more to it. I'm going to read a couple of quotes that Ryan Edwards put forth. Uh, Here's a good quote that Mile High Report tweeted out. If you're going to be successful, you got to listen because we're, we're counterparts. We're supposed to gel together and make one whole. We're supposed to do this together. I'm the talent. You watch the film to tell me what to do. But when I see something, when you're not on the field with me, let's try to do something different. And I can guarantee you, it will be better for the squad. That. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of just letting that sit out there because it's such a, an interesting statement and it, it is an indictment. It's an indictment of what is happening between the coaches and players and how you have what seems to be, a less than stellar relationship, you know, and and this is supposed to be a leader of men, right? That's what we were told. This is, this That's is the bill of good. That was the bill of goods we were sold. This is supposed to be a, a player's coach, and and maybe he is a player's coach in that they like him. He's a maybe nice for Devonte Booker and Isaiah McKenzie and Trevor Simeon. Well, Isaiah McKenzie's gone now, and so is Trevor Simeon. So is Trevor Simeon. So can Devonte Booker be next? Maybe he did have a nice touchdown catch. Um. You know, blind squirrel. Fumble. Blind squirrel. No, well, he makes up for his makes up for his fumble with a with a touchdown. I don't know. I I, I'm, I, I can't even rip on Booker right now. I I just see I see this team and the way that they perform. And I watch Vance Joseph on the sideline, and then I hear quotes like that, and I hear the things that he says, and it all just adds up to one very obvious fact, and that fact is that Vance Joseph is not a good head coach. Maybe someday he will be, but it won't be with the Denver Broncos because they are going to fire him. He is going to lose his job, whether it's today, tomorrow, a week from now, two weeks from now, at the end of the season, in the middle of preseason next year. I don't know when, but he will fill up that checkbox, right? All of those check marks are going to get filled into those boxes. He will tick every box and he will get fired. But we will. I'm not, we get to model I'm not, through. I'm not as convinced. Uh, I mean, we were saying we were saying the same stuff a year ago, right? But remember, eventually someone is going to have to hold him accountable because someone is going to hold John Elway accountable. I, and maybe that's Oops. maybe that's when everything gets figured nope. out with ownership. And so maybe it's ten years from now or whenever the court cases are all figured out. But eventually someone's going to hold somebody accountable for something, whether they want to be held accountable or not. And it will end in Vance Joseph being fired. So I just gave you a time frame. It's anywhere from, you know, Tuesday morning until, I don't know, 10 years, 10 years from now. And if, if he gets fired within that, I was correct. I should pin that tweet. Here's to me. What is the most 
telling indictment that Demarius Thomas said to Orange and Blue 760. And I think it speaks to the culture and what's going on inside this organization right now. On not being named a captain this year, he said, it affected me a lot. And it was heartbreaking. He went on to say that he wanted to be there for his teammates either way and wanted to make sure he was a role model for the younger players. I mean, I'm not sure how you pick captains in the NFL. Like, I don't know what the process is. But I will tell you that when you've got leaders, right, you have guys that are clear leaders, you have young players on the team that need those leaders, it makes very little sense to take the captain's, you know, the, the captain's C off of his jersey. And I, I guess at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter, right? It's it's really just a, a silly honor that you give to guys that you want. Oh, we need a defensive captain or an offensive captain, and we need this and we need that. Okay. And it shouldn't change how Demarius Thomas acts towards the rest of the team. And it didn't. At least I don't think that it did. But it still affects you. It affects who you are. It affects how you act. He said it affected him. And it doesn't make any sense that you would take that away from him. He is clearly a leader on the team. So I'm not sure. Again, it's it's all about if what we're getting right now are all of these little indictments, right? These little things that make you go, okay, this, this guy's terrible. If I didn't know it already or if I hadn't accepted it already, I'm accepting it now. He's terrible. So if you're not on the Fire Vance Joseph train, get on. We got plenty of seats. It's a big, long train. We're all here for the ride. But it brings about an interesting question. If Demarius Thomas is saying these things as a leader in that locker room, who else is thinking that? Who else is saying that? Von Miller. Who else is just completely rolling their eyes at what this guy is doing, especially after what happened on Sunday against the Texans? Everybody. I mean, obviously, if you're going to ask them in public, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, we support the guy. There's no way they're going to say anything different. So it's a waste of time to ask them that. But if Demarius Thomas is thinking that and now saying it now that he's not in that locker room, it's the same things we heard a year ago. It's why Aqib Tlaib is no longer in that locker room. I mean, are they going to move off every player that has a problem with Vance Joseph? If if that's the plan, if that's the intention, then um, no, that's not an except that, that there will be mutiny within Broncos country. That's just that's just the truth right there. People will jump ship at that point. If you're telling me that John Elway and company want to keep Vance Joseph over the players who have you know, bled and sweat for the team and have won Super Bowls and been champions and you want to move on from them so that you can keep Vance Joseph around? Is this really the Denver Broncos that we have come to know and love in our 30-some years of, of existence? I'm here. I'm here. 
I'm not going anywhere. I'll, I'll always be here. But you know how many people won't be if that's what's really going on. And just because I'll be here doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about it and doesn't mean I'm going to keep my mouth shut about it. Of course not. Because this is unacceptable. The fact that John Elway came out today and said they're going to stay the course is unacceptable to me. It is unacceptable, and it should be unacceptable to every fan of this organization who has listened to what Pat Bowen laid forth for what the expectation is for this organization. It's about winning Super Bowls. And this freaking organization can't even get to winning seasons in back-to-back years. That is unacceptable. I mean, the only thing that's left at this point is for either Vance Joseph to lose the bye, which is entirely possible, or it's for him to have a Josh McDaniels complete and utter annihilation like he had at the hands of the Raiders. I mean, to me, that's the only thing that is going to spear John Elway to just cut bait, admit the mistake, and move on. Because until that happens, he is going to continue to live in a world of delusion. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. He's he's definitely put himself... I think John Elway has sort of backed himself into a corner here. Uh we are we are accustomed as Broncos fans. We are accustomed to them having winning seasons and having the goal always be to win Super Bowls, right? That's what we are accustomed to, and we're only three years removed from a Super Bowl win. John Elway has won several AFC West division titles as a GM. He put together a team that went to Super Bowls and won a Super Bowl, and you know he's get, there are several accolades that you can start to throw at in John Elway's direction. But that doesn't mean that we're going to ignore the failures, the current failures, right? We can accept the the greatness from before and say, yeah, that's wonderful and we appreciate all that. Just like we appreciate what he did for the Broncos as a player. We can appreciate all that. But it doesn't mean we're going to look at him and say, and because of what he's done in the past, we're going to give him a free pass for the rest of the future. No, he's going to have to do something to prove that he belongs as the GM. And I would love to see that Josh McDaniels meltdown moment that will help spur Vance Joseph's exit from the Denver Broncos. But I don't think that's what we're going to get. And and I think that what's really happened here is John Elway has, has said winning is the only thing because that's what you say as a Denver Bronco. But he's also sort of, you know, he's he's boxed in now because anything he does that seems like a failure, anything that seems like retreat in any way, that's not winning. And admitting that Vance Joseph isn't the right head coach, that's not winning. And he said that we're supposed to win. He's happy with the direction of the franchise. He's got players that are leaving that are saying, I don't know what's going on there anymore. Things are falling apart, but he's happy with the direction of the franchise. He's got players that look at what happened at the end of that game and say things like, that's just what they do. But he's happy with the direction of the franchise. Something doesn't, something doesn't add up here. 
Something, the equation is wrong. Apparently, two plus two isn't four right now. It's pizza. I like pizza. I had some good pizza while I was on vacation. It was good stuff. It was like cheap late night pizza, but it was pretty good. I digress. What this reminds me of is the captain of the Titanic swearing that the ship isn't sinking. We didn't hit an iceberg. We're fine. That water is supposed to be rushing in. We, um, we've we got all the room in the world for it. We're going to use that water. It's salt water. It's turning water. into a submarine. <laughs> We're not going down. We're simply getting shorter. It's not a fun time to be a Broncos fan because it, it, it seems like everyone in Broncos country knows the move that needs to happen except for the person who can make the move. Does it feel like the bye week is coming at a good time though? Like as a fan, don't you kind of need a week off? I think I need more than a week. Well, you're not going to get it. I mean, it's just not how football works. You get, you get the week off and we're not taking the week off by the way, but no, because we're actually going to have a special podcast on Wednesday where we're going to have some, fellow MHR staff members come on and we're basically going to discuss the current state of the the franchise and where it is and where it will go. A special state of the franchise event with MHR staffers. Are you, are we going to tell anybody who's coming on or we want to wait? Do we want it to be a surprise? One of them will be Tim Lynch. It'll be his, it'll be his first time on the podcast. Oh my goodness. I'm excited. He's, uh, so am know, I. It'll be interesting to see what we all come up with and he's, what, what he's we the think captain is of our ship. happen. Yeah, he's the captain of our ship, and I think he would admit that we've hit an iceberg. Not necessarily at Mile High Report, but, you know, the Broncos have hit an iceberg. So I think they've hit it a couple of times. It's like they hit it and then they backed up just to make sure. They really, like, they really ran over it, and then one more time. Just a small scrape that next time by, but they really, really got in there. I have to add one thing. Oh, good. That Rams-Saints game. Incredible. I mean, that's your NFC Championship game right there. And who, if it's played in New Orleans, it's probably uh, a lot of the same, right? I would think so, and I think it'll be the same result. I think so, too. If the Rams can can win out and make sure that they get it at home, I think they can win at home, but I don't think they can win in the Dome. And I and my my Super Bowl pick is looking pretty good right about now. Because that that the next the, the Rams and the Chiefs that will be an interesting game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember what I predicted for the Super Bowl. I have to go back through my notes. Do you remember? <laughs> I don't. I think I picked I think it was the Saints and the Patriots. I think that was that was my Super Bowl pick and and the and I think the Patriots will be there especially if the two teams finish with the same record. And I'm sorry, there is no way a rookie quarterback with Andy Reid as his head coach is going to go into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the playoffs. Nope. Not, Not going to happen. There's but- one and this is this this might be a good tease or we could talk about it now. 
There is one coach who has repeatedly been able to go into New England and if not give them a game, beat them in the playoffs. And that's John Harbaugh. And it came out that the Baltimore Ravens might be on the verge of making a change at coach. And if he's available. Yes, please. Sign me up times two. Yeah. No, I would. Yes. Why? Yes. I, I, I would, in a heartbeat, I would go after John Harbaugh. You know, the other thing, going after John Harbaugh, bringing in a John Harbaugh is, and you're not going to like when I say this, but I think you'll understand where I'm going. It would be the same sort of effect as bringing in John Fox. That Only Harbaugh can win Super Bowls. Only Harbaugh can win Super Bowls. But that idea of you know, really taking the team, right, and and riding the ship, making making it so that everybody on the team is is on the same page and is headed in the right direction and he has control of the franchise in a way that Vance Joseph just doesn't have that Josh McDaniels didn't have when John Fox was brought in I think that that's kind of the same move but the end game is probably a little bit better people in in Broncos country would be very excited to make that happen the issue becomes can John Harbaugh and John Elway coexist. And I think the reason that it could is because of the connection the Broncos have to John Harbaugh, and that is Gary Kubiak. Right. Because Gary Kubiak was Harbaugh's offensive coordinator. He'll just whisper so in there, his ear. So there is a connection. So there, there could be an intermediary between the two. That was, that was actually one of um, Kubiak's best years as a – as a as a coordinator as well, that uh, it was that was and because he, he actually and that that playoff game that he called the offense for the Ravens was pretty incredible. Yeah, they were. Yeah, no, I I think that that would be an interesting uh, that would be an interesting move. Maybe we leave that as a teaser though, something we can talk about a little bit more next time. And we've also got our. Uh, our, our uh, I, what do we call our upcoming show with with staffers? Is it the state of the franchise? State of the franchise is that what I th- all right? I like it. We're going with the state of the franchise, and we're going to talk about uh, the different uh, different player groups, the talent level on the team, the coaching staff, management, ownership, stadium name, whatever they're calling it these days. Does anybody really care? There's a lot to go over. There's a, a lot, lot going on. So has Vance uh, Joseph been fired yet? Let me check my Twitter here. Nope, nope. I feel like I would have gotten like a big old like birthday party announcement. Ta-da! Vance Joseph has been fired. It's never gonna happen. He's got to. They got to check more boxes. He's got. He's got a few more boxes to check before John Elway will stop being comfortable with the direction of the franchise. Cockroaches and Keith Richards, and now Vance Joseph is the head coach of the Broncos. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.